Today's scripture reading will be John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, there is a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, in Aramaic, called Bethesda, which has five roof columns. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Thanks, Jared. In just about every church of which I have been a member, and I, I have been a member of quite a few, I've, I've noticed something that they all have in common. 99% of all the prayer requests focus on physical issues like you know, an illness or surgery or, or something like that. Most of our Bible classes begin with a prayer, and before we pray, we ask for prayer requests. And... 99% of the requests are people who are struggling with physical ailments, family issues, planning a trip, or something like that. Periodically, uh, many of you inform us through a text that a church member, family member, a friend has become ill or has been taken to the hospital uh, or is planning to have surgery, and you ask uh, for prayer. And texts go back and forth during the day or week concerning the status of that, that person's health. If you turn to page three of our bulletin this morning, each week you'll see a list of prayer requests. And if you notice, almost all of them have to do with some physical issue. And I, uh, I'm thankful that we demonstrate that level of concern for one another. If I were ill or, or needed surgery, I would ask you to pray and would hope that you would. When our daughter... Um, uh, was involved in a horse riding accident uh, back uh, somewhere around 1999. It was a, she was about ready to enter her freshman year of high school. I mean, we asked for prayers. And, and, and people in, in many parts of the country, people, some of them we didn't even know, were praying. And we were extremely grateful and believed that God heard all those prayers, which helped bring about her, her recovery. So please believe me when I say I, I completely understand the importance of one's physical wellness. But is wellness a function of only the physical? In the reading in John 5, a few moments ago, as, as actually Tommy read for us, Jesus went up to Jerusalem because a feast of the Jews was, was being held. And according to, to chapter 6, verse 4, it was the fat Passover. That was the feast. And on the way, Jesus stopped at a pool that was called Bethesda, in which lay a number of invalids who were blind, lame, and paralyzed. And most of you are familiar, you know, I, I think most of you have read this particular narrative, probably have dissected it and so forth. 
According to some biblical manuscripts regarding this pool, an angel would occasionally stir the waters. And the first one to get in the pool after the waters were stirred would be healed. But there's, there's, I guess there's some uncertainty about the truth of that. Uh, some biblical manuscripts include that, but because many reliable manuscripts do not include that, we can't verify uh, the truth of that information. But as one commentator wrote, you know, if there were no healings occurring <laughs> at that pool, you would think that after a while people would stop going. Uh, that's why verse 4 was omitted in, in this morning's scripture reading. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Uh, but verse 4 has to do with this angel stirring uh, the waters. Uh, and it's listed as a footnote uh, in several Bible versions, including the English Standard Version. But verse 5 indicates that one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. And Jesus approached him and knew that he had been there for a long time. So he asked him a question, which you would think was kind of a silly question. But it really, it really is a very poignant question. One of the many poignant questions Jesus asked. He asked the man, do you want to be healed? Now here's a guy who's been pretty helpless and totally dependent on others for 38 years, and Jesus asked him whether or not he wanted to be healed. Yeah, most of us would be thinking, well, yeah, who wouldn't want to be healed? And yet it is possible for a person to get used to or become quite comfortable with the service that others provide them and don't really want to, ret you know, want to return to the responsibility of carrying their own burdens. It's possible. The paralytic, interestingly enough, didn't directly answer Jesus' question. You know, instead of answering, yes, I do want to be healed, he offered an excuse for why he hadn't been, been healed. In verse 7, he said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. I mean, it almost seems as though the invalid interpreted Jesus' question to mean, Hey, you've been here for 38 years. Are you telling me that you couldn't once... Get into the water first? In other words, it almost implies from his point of view that Jesus is asking, do you really want to be healed? The invalid indicated that it wasn't a lack of desire to be healed. It was his lack of, of ability to be healed. He could never get in the water first. So Jesus took pity on him and, and healed him. He told him to take up his bed and walk, and the man did. And, and apparently, you know, then Jesus and the man, they became separated. They both left. But Jesus later found the man in the temple and again said something very interesting to this man. He said in verse 14, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. I mean, that's an interesting response. You know, Jesus implied that there were worse things that could happen to a person than being an invalid for 38 years. You know, scholars are, are somewhat divided over whether or not Jesus was implying that the man's paralysis was related to his sin. 
I mean, that was the common belief of the people in that day and time. People of that time believed that anything that bad that happened to you was divine punishment for sin. I mean, that was the explanation for Job's suffering that his so-called three friends gave him. You must have sinned. But Jesus, he put that thinking to rest in a couple of places. One of those is in John chapter 9. Jesus healed a man that had been born blind. And his disciples asked him if his blindness was because of the sin of his parents. And Jesus said no. So, so, so whether the statement of Jesus in verse 14 proves or disproves that the man's paralysis was a result of his sin really isn't of any consequence here. The point Jesus made in verse 14 was that there are worse conditions that can befall a person than to be paralyzed for 38 years that are related to sin. Jesus was always attempting to help a person think more in spiritual terms. And that seems to be his modus operandi here as well. When when you and I think of healing or wellness, most all of us immediately think in physical terms, right? And, And secondarily, some of us might even think in financial terms, But true healing or wellness is more about your spiritual health and dealing with sin. That according to Hebrews 12 verse 1 says so easily entangles. Many who are are not well spiritually also have difficulty getting into the water. So what, what is of greater importance in this life in regard to wellness? It, it's not your physical well-being as much as it is your spiritual well-being. And, and that's because, of course, your spiritual well-being has eternal consequences. One of the reasons you may not focus so much or think as much about your spiritual wellness is because spiritual illness is much more difficult to diagnose. You know, when, when you go to the doctor, one of the first things they do is they take your temperature, or at least my doctor does, or blood pressure. And if either one of those is not in the normal range, you know, it raises a red flag that, hey, something may not be right here. And you know before too long when something's not physically right because you can feel the symptoms, you know, a, a fever, uh, a headache, a swelling, or pain somewhere in your body tells you that something isn't quite right. And when that happens, it is, and if it's serious enough, you have to go to the doctor. You know, you should typically you go to the doctor, you go to urgent care or the emergency room to have it diagnosed so you can take whatever corrective measures are necessary. Uh, my 90-year-old uncle uh, recently was not feeling well. And his symptoms were uh, a loss of appetite, uh, pain in his side, a swollen foot, and just a, a, a real low energy level. He, he, used, he walks every day a couple of miles, and he, 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 didn't, he wasn't doing that anymore. So he went to his family doctor, his family practice doctor. His family doctor told him he had strained a muscle in his back. And just take, take some aspirin, you know. Um, and, you know, my, Kim and I and my sister are thinking, really? I mean, that just doesn't sound like a, 
the right diagnosis. So we, we told him, we encouraged him to just go to the emergency room. And, uh, of course, nobody really likes to go to the emergency room. Um, but he went, and uh, they performed some tests. And they found out that he had an abscess in his colon due to a ruptured appendix. You know, his, his physical symptoms had told him something was wrong. It wasn't just a strained muscle in the back. Have you ever had, experienced a spiritual fever or headache? Of course you haven't because you don't even know what that's, that is, you know, and neither do I. The symptoms of, of spiritual illness are not always that obvious. You know, you, you know, we don't have spiritual thermometers or stethoscopes, so, so it can be difficult to know for sure whether or not you are spiritually healthy. You know, some people have, have physical health issues and, and, and you, they can be in total denial about it. You know, they'll tell, oh, I'm all right, you know, I'm all right, leave me alone, I'll be fine. But you can also have some spiritual health issues and be in total denial about it. And yet your spiritual health is of much greater importance because it impacts your relationship with God. Now you might think, well, but hey, I'm a, I'm a believer, I'm saved by grace, so what's there to worry about? Now just repeat those words in Hebrews 12.1, the sin that so easily entangles. During the summer, some of us uh, read a book titled Don't Give Up. It was written by... Kyle Eidelman, and we had, you know, on Wednesday nights, presentations on the various chapters in that book. And chapter 7 dealt with how easy it is to get tangled up in sin. You know, because Satan is the father of lies. And Satan attempts to deceive you into thinking that you are in perfect spiritual health when you may not be. Okay, so, so how do you tell? I mean, how do you tell whether or not you are spiritually healthy? And you're probably thinking that I'm going to say, well, to be spiritually healthy, you need to go to church, you need to attend Bible class, or a small group, you need to be involved in ministry in the church, you need to pray, you need to read your Bible regularly. Now, I recommend you do all those things. But spiritual wellness is a function of the heart. And remember what God said about the heart through the prophet Jeremiah? He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So, so that means that everyone at some point becomes spiritually ill. And just like every person you know, periodically comes down with some kind of cold or, or illness, some more severe than others. You know, it's just that, that, that same reason. I mean, that's why they call it the common cold. Periodically, we're, we, all, we all come down with something at one point or another. Except a professor of mine that I had at Harding who told us that he had never had a cold in his life. Had he been anybody else, I would not have believed him, but he was a professor at Harding, and so I figured, you know... He was telling the truth, but 
and he was in his like late 50s, early 60s when he told us that. He never had a, a cold in his, his life. I'm sure he had some other illnesses, but never to have a, a cold is pretty uncommon. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lot of people can have heart disease and not really know it. Not, not only physically, but, but more importantly, spiritually. You know, there are, for physically, there are tests such as x-rays and, and, and CAT scans that can allow a doctor to kind of see what's going on in your heart. Similarly, there are visible signs that reveal the spiritual condition of your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false testimony and slander. These are what defile a person. And in other words, sin is what reveals the, 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 the sickness of your heart. And as God told us through Jeremiah, the spiritual wellness of the human heart is, is not very good to begin with. And, and there are symptoms that you can see, although, as I mentioned, they're not always easy to detect. Or to diagnose. So so you might think, well, if the heart is sick with so much evil, how can it be made well? There is a remedy that can heal the heart. In John 7, 38, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And living water here is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. It was what Jesus said he would give to the woman at the well if she would just have asked for it. Jesus also said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Your heart can be made well when the living water or Holy Spirit is poured into it. And and that is the medicine, the spiritual medicine that can help your heart. But if you quench that spirit, that medicine is not going to be quite as effective as it would otherwise. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is Jesus, truly Jesus, then your heart's going to be, for the most part, spiritually healthy. But if your treasure is not Jesus, your heart's not going to be all that healthy. Now, if you treasure Jesus, then your life will reflect it. When your heart is not spiritually healthy, Jesus said, your life will reflect that in the form of sin. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So there are some spiritual symptoms that can reveal the spiritual condition of of your heart. It's how you live. It's related to what you think and what you say and what you do. Proverbs 27 verse 19 says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Now here's the real challenge. Only you can diagnose your heart accurately. Only you can tell for sure if your heart is healthy or not. I, I can't 
accurately diagnose your heart and you can't accurately diagnose mine. I, I can only see the symptoms that are revealed in your words and actions and I can easily misdiagnose the symptoms. You know, just like my uncle's family practice doctor misdiagnosed his symptoms, you can misdiagnose your brother or sister's spiritual symptoms, and here's why. When we're together, you can hear the way I talk, you can observe what I do or don't do, but, you know, you're not with me the majority uh, of the time. And besides, it is so easy to deceive people. You know, you can give gifts even when you're stingy. Or you can act like you love somebody when you really don't. You're the only one other than God who can determine the spiritual condition of your heart. So when it comes to your heart health, you kind of need to be your own doctor. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And how do you fail the test? I mean, God certainly knows the condition of your heart, but the question is, do you? Can you be honest with yourself in, in, when you examine yourself? If you can be honest with yourself, then you may need to, if you can't, I should say, then you may need to talk to somebody. You know, some people say they, they want to be healed, but they have all kinds of reasons why they can't change their habits. You know, I want to be healed, but I, I don't have a ride to the AA meeting tonight. I want to be healed, but someone has Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now, checked out at the library. I want to be healed, but... You know, I've heard it said, but I, I, I don't know to what extent, that the mind has a lot to do with one's physical health. It has a, a lot of control. The mind has a lot of control over the body. And Jesus, he, he, he's given you, if you're a Christian, he's given you the antibiotic to cure your heart disease. But you have to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You have to change the way you think. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 5, and 6, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. How do you fail the test? By setting your mind on the things of the flesh rather than the things of the Spirit. We seem to, to focus so much on the physical, even in the church. But if you truly want to be healed, change your thinking by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. And the things of the Spirit, according to Paul in Philippians 4.8, are things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are commendable. If, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, he said, think about those things. In other words, don't focus so much on the negative. Focus on the positive. 
Your spiritual health is so much more important than your physical health. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The life to come is that for which we ought to be striving because it's where we're going to spend the rest of our life. So I'm going to ask you the same question Jesus asked the paralytic. You know, do you want to be healed this morning? The first step, of course, is to put your faith in Jesus. The second step is to put your old life to death by being united with Christ in his death through baptism. You've got to get in the water. Because when you rise up out of that water, you are a new creation. You are forgiven of sin. He has given you, he gives you the antibiotic to heal your heart, which is his Holy Spirit. To help heal you so that you can begin producing what is good and thinking about what is good. If you have the Spirit, but your heart is not still not healthy, humble yourself this morning. And set your mind on the things of the Spirit by renewing your relationship with God. Start again. Let your mind take control of your body. There is no better time than now to start anew. So this morning, if we can help you do that, that's what we're here to do. And so I, I encourage you this morning, please, get that antibiotic if you don't have it. And if you do have it, turn back to God this morning and start living for Him and setting your mind on the things above. We can help you do that this morning. Let's stand right now. Come, come as we stand and sing.